0: One day, God told the prophet Samuel that it was time for a new king and sent him to the house of a man named Jesse. Jesse had seven sons and brought out each of them to meet Samuel. Samuel told Jesse that David, his youngest son, would be the future king of Israel. Shortly after this, an army of the Philistines, Israel's enemy, set up camp on a hill right across the valley from Israel's army. For 40 days in a row, a gigantic Philistine warrior named Goliath would walk down to the valley and mock the Israelites. But one day when David was visiting the army camp, he heard Goliath taunting the Israelites and asked why no one was willing to fight Goliath. After getting King Saul's permission, David went down into the valley and shouted to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Goliath and David charged toward one another. David pulled out a stone, put it in a sling, and flung it at the giant. The stone struck Goliath directly in the forehead, and then David killed him with Goliath's own sword. This victory caused David to become so loved and respected that King Saul became very jealous. Saul tried to kill David, but David escaped into the desert. One day, Saul was in a cave and David snuck up on him, but David could not bring himself to kill Saul. When Saul realized what had happened, he made a peace treaty with David, promising he would not kill him. But not long after, Saul became jealous and tried to kill David again. The Philistines attacked the Israelites and killed all three of Saul's sons. When Saul heard the news, he was so upset that he took out his own sword, fell on it, and killed himself. Then David was named King of Israel. He made plans to build a giant building called a temple as a place to worship God. God said a temple would eventually be built, but by one of David's sons. One of David's descendants would become a king unlike any before, one whose rule would never end.
1: David and Goliath. My guess is, is you've heard this story dozens, if not hundreds, of times. It's a great story. Some may even argue it was replayed on a football field in Ann Arbor yesterday. And even though I'm very familiar with this story, every time I wind up reading it, I wind up saying something like, Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. So while you may learn something today that you've never known before, my real goal today is to help you remember something that you may have forgotten. Are you ready? Let's try that again. Are you ready? All right, here we go. The first thing I want to remind you of is that David was from Bethlehem. That's right, O Little Town of Bethlehem. You can start listening to it now. It's after Thanksgiving. You can break out the Christmas music. The one where a thousand years after the birth of David, Jesus Christ would be born. And that's pretty important to remember. Here in Scripture we see that it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil. That's another way of saying get ready to anoint a new king. And beyond your way, I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. I think the this is a fact that you should remember, because... At Christmas time, especially, because the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament talk about the Messiah coming from the line of David, from the tribe of Judah, and the New Testament makes it pretty clear uh, that Jesus is a fulfillment of God's promise to David to be a king over Israel for all time. So you probably want to remember that Jesus and David are from the same little hillbilly town of Bethlehem. That's pretty important to remember. So after that, the sons get ready to go see Samuel. And this is a pretty big deal to get to meet Samuel the judge. You want to get your house in order and make sure you put on your best clothes before he shows up in town. And I don't know if when Samuel pulled into town he had a presidential donkey around him, but I'm sure that everybody noticed that he was there. Which leads us to the next thing that we want to remember, is that David had a good heart. The scriptures say that when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, that's one of David's brothers, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things the people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think this is one that you're going to want to do more than just remember. In your brain. I think that this is one that you should, well, take to heart. Now it's been a long time since I've been on the dating scene, but my guess is, is that most dating apps are set up to look at something other than the heart. But the heart will make or break a marriage in the end. And if you're working on your resume similarly, you're probably not going to get noticed for an interview because of the quality of your heart. But your heart is what can turn your nine-to-five job into a mission field and a place where you can impact many for Christ. I think we should all agree that this is something about David that we shouldn't only remember, but that we should try to emulate. David had a great heart. And in Christ Jesus, we can have a great heart too. You may remember this about David. It's probably not the most important, but it will make for fun trivia. That is that David was also handsome and had beautiful eyes. Eyes really make a person's appearance pop, don't they? They don't say what color his eyes were in the scriptures. Maybe it was bright blue or green or hazel. I am going to put this one down in the category of things that you can remember if you want to, but probably isn't going to be life-changing that if you remember that David was a handsome dude, all right? Well, Samuel goes through all the brothers, and Saul just keeps swiping left. Next, next, next. He goes through all seven brothers, and none of them are who the one that God has selected. So so Samuel says, Don't you have anyone else? Well, there's still the youngest, but he's out with the sheep. So Jesse sent for him, and sure enough, Samuel anoints David, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David powerfully on that day, which is something that you may want to remember. That David was anointed to be the next king before the battle with Goliath ever happened. Did you know that? Which may sound a little bit like Bible trivia, but I promise you that it isn't. I think it'll lead us to believe in something that we should remember is this. That God saw David's potential before anyone else did. Before David's dad even saw him. Before David's dad even invited him to be with the rest of the brothers so a king should be anointed from their family. Maybe you feel overlooked or passed over. Remember, God saw David when even his father had basically forgotten about him and saw him as the runt of the litter. So God saw David's potential before anyone else did. But maybe what you should remember is that he sees your potential before anyone else does as well. Who is it that you need to see the God-given potential in that nobody else sees? Well, now we're going to fast forward a bit in the story to the battle we've all been waiting for, David and Goliath. But you need to remember this. The Bible never calls Goliath a giant. Did you know that? The Bible calls Goliath a champion. Here in the text it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now that's nine feet nine inches tall, but some of your Bibles have a little footnote in there that says that some of the ancient manuscripts actually list him as being more like six foot eight inches tall. Well, we can argue about that all day long, but basically this is like LeBron James, who's 6'8", going against a junior high student. This is still like a giant, right? But it calls, uh, unlike LeBron James, it calls Goliath a champion. So think Michael Jordan as opposed to LeBron James. Sorry, that's my Illinois boy coming out at me. i got to throw it in there. Here's what it says, also what it says about Goliath. It says, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds worth of body armor he's wearing. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, which I just think of like, as like shin protectors in baseball. And, and bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and it's iron point. Just the point of this uh, this, uh, iron shaft weighed 12 pounds. And his shield bearer went ahead of him. His shield bearer doesn't get any any press here when we remember the story, but we remember it today. And while we're remembering details, let me remind you of this, is that Goliath was a trash talker. Every morning, Goliath would go stand on top of a hill and shout out, And I'm not going to tell you what he was shouting out at the Israelites because it's not PG, okay? And he would taunt the Israelites. And he did this, and they would cower in fear every day. And how many days did he do this for? Does anybody remember? Forty. For forty days. Which in Scripture, any time you see the number forty, you want to remember that that's when God's about ready to do something. Because forty is a number of completion. And the time... Of, of, of Goliath taunting the Israelites was now about to be over. But an important thing that you want to remember in this as well is just that David wasn't just or excuse me, Goliath just wasn't taunting God's people, but Goliath was taunting God himself. Now I would encourage you to steer clear of this in your own life. As you will see in the story, this does not work out for well, well for those who choose to taunt or to make fun of, or to mock God. And here's something else that you probably remember. David wasn't even invited to the battle. David was basically out doing DoorDash, or maybe it was Donkey Dash in those days, where he was just bringing the food up to his brothers. And he overheard Goliath when he was up uh, talking smack and asked what in the world was going on. As he started asking questions, you may remember this that some of David's own family questioned his motives. It says in in the text, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard David speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him, and he asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And so here in the text, we see that God is talking about how good David's heart is, but David's brother is talking about what? How evil his brother's is. Whose do you think opinion matters here? But whose opinion do you think it is that we often hear? Because the reality is, is that this can hit pretty close to home with us. Maybe it's with someone who was sitting around the dinner table with us at Thanksgiving. Maybe it's with somebody who was not sitting around the dinner table with us at Thanksgiving. But when you are doing something that you are convinced the Lord is leading you to do, and when you have other godly people encouraging you, there always seems to be someone close to you that is, is weighing down with the negative opinions. Somebody that can be there as an adversary. David had this as well within his own family. His big brother was telling him how evil his heart was. Do you know how hard that must have been to hear? Well, it wasn't only his big brother that was thinking bad of him or talking bad about him. It seems that one thing that we need to remember that we often forget is that King Saul... The king, the one who was supposed to be leading this battle, also questioned David's ability. It says that David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Can you hear this in today's language? Saul's basically saying to David, This guy's been fighting longer than you've been alive. He's going to eat you for breakfast and be hungry again by lunch. And while I hope that you remember that David's motives were questioned and how the king questioned his ability, what I really hope you remember is how David responded. Because the reality is, is you and I are going to be faced with opposition. You and I are going to be faced with people who come against us, people who speak ill of us, even people who are close to us who will refuse to believe that God is doing something in our lives. But here is what David, how he responded. Remember this. David remembered how God had saved him previously. says, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. In other words, I've been in battles before, and I've seen God provide before. He's provided every time, and He will provide for me this time as well. Church, do you remember how God has saved you previously? Does that lead you to take greater steps of faith today because of how He saved you before? Are you remembering to share those stories with the next generation so that they can take even bigger steps of faith than what you have taken in your life? David remembered how God saved him previously, and you and I need to remember how God has saved us previously as well. That will lead us to take the steps of faith that we need to take today. Well, here's something different that you may not have heard before, so I can't ask you to remember it, but I can ask you to remember this after you hear it today. We often think of David's story as one of great faith, which it is. But it's more than just faith that David utilizes. Here's the fact I want you to remember. That David used both both faith and wisdom in his battle against Goliath. The text says that then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, and he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took the staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and approached the Philistine. Well, you remember last week how King Saul was a head taller than everyone else in Israel, right? Well, let's just say that he's a foot taller than King David, or your future King David, boy David here, and David is trying to wear his armor around that's made for somebody a foot taller than him. Can you picture this in your mind? It's comical, isn't it? It's like, it's like a punter on the football team trying to wear one of the linemen's uh, football, football outfit, football uniform. It's going to be clumsy, it's going to be awkward, and it's just not going to work it would have been quite comical. But this is where the wisdom factor comes in. Because you've got to have both faith and wisdom in life. You can't just wing everything and call it faith. And David recognized that the way to defeat the giant was not to go out there and to fight the battle as the giant was going to fight it, but rather to control how the battle was going to be fought and to fight it from a distance instead with his slingshot And with the stones, rather than getting within an arm's reach of Goliath, because let's face it, I imagine Goliath's arms were about twice as long as David's, he was going to get within a stone's throw. And he knew that if he was a stone's throw away, that he could have the advantage. David used both faith and wisdom. This is similar to the Revolutionary War, when the British would all stand in a straight line, and on the count of three, or however they did it, they'd fire their guns at the enemy. And some of the people fall over, and they got shot, and they'd get back up again. And then, you know, after they reloaded their guns, stood there and reloaded their guns, then they would fire again. Well, the colonialists knew that the British had the most powerful army in the world, and there was no way they were going to defeat them like that. So the colonialists instead reverted to what we would call kind of like a guerrilla warfare, where they would attack them and sabotage them and do everything else in unconventional means. And the British didn't know how to fight that battle. You could say that they used wisdom. And in the same way, we know that we have to fight our battles with both faith and wisdom. Faith in and of itself is not all that we're called to have. Wisdom in and of itself is not all we're called to have. We are called to have both faith and wisdom. And so David knows his strengths So even though he took a huge huge step of faith to go against the guy who's much better than him, he knew that he had the opportunity to beat him by using the slingshot instead. And so you remember today to fight your battles with both faith and wisdom. Well, now we're getting to the good part. The Bible said the, the Goliath, the champion, you know he was probably a pretty ugly guy after all those battles he'd fought and all those war scars that he had all over his body. He looked at David, and the Bible said that David was glowing with health and handsome. Now, isn't that a complimentary way to describe someone? Just, just try that with your husband, ladies. Just say, you are glowing with health and handsome. And just see how your husband responds to that. He might fall over in shock like Goliath did. But it says that when he saw him glowing with health and handsome, that Goliath despised him. And so he started talking trash to David, and he started cursing him and cursing David's God, which, again, is a big mistake. And so David said to the Philistine, You come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you with my slingshot and five stones. Is that what he said? No, He said, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, whom you have trash-talked, whose name you have tried to smear. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Which we forget that part in the story, but I'm not going to remind you of that today because that's a little bit gross, but it happened. And David continues and says, And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give all of you into our hands. Now this is something that I definitely want you to not forget today. And that is, just like David, I want you to remember that the battle is the Lord's. The battle is not your own. The Bible says that we're in a battle. It's a battle against sin. And as important as it is for you to fight every day with prayer and accountability and confession and holy living, do not forget that the battle is the Lord's. He has won the battle for you at the cross of Jesus Christ. You are no longer slaves to sin. You are free. And don't you forget it. But the story doesn't end with David defeating Goliath, but with David's impact. You're going to want to remember this part of the story, because David's courage winds up encouraging the others. That's what encouraging someone is all about, giving them courage. It says in the text that when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead... Those who had been taunting, the whole group of them had been taunting. It says they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah, you remember them? They're the ones who had been hiding in the back, cowering in fear. But when they saw David's act of faith and how God had provided, they surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. And so all of a sudden, these men who had been cowering in fear, they caught a dose of bravery. Why? Because of the faith of one godly man. Because of the faith of one godly person, the rest of the army was encouraged. They had courage because of David's courage. I just wonder if this might be something you need to remember today. That your acts of faith not only are honoring to God, but when others see you living courageously, they are encouraged to live boldly as well. Well, I've given you a lot to remember today. But of all the things that you need to remember, there's still one more thing about this story that I need you to remember. I need you to promise me that you'll remember this. Do you promise? All right, that was a kind of. Do you promise? One detail that we cannot live without is this. My guess is that in your mind, you've already been thinking about the giants that you're facing in your life. It's the addiction that keeps rearing its ugly head. It's the relationship that seems forever broken. It's the step of faith that you know you need to take. For us as a church, it could be the debt that seems to have us hamstrung. It's the unreached people groups literally right in our own backyard that seems so difficult for us to reach. It's the next generation that seem to be walking away from the faith so quickly in our country, seemingly to never come back. To all those giants that stand there taunting us, I want to remind you of this one thing about the story that you cannot forget. You have to remind yourself of this every day. The one thing that you must remind yourself of, the one thing above everything else that I want you to remember is this. Our God slays giants.
2: seas that are shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard. through.
1: Go ahead and be seated, if you would, for just a moment. want to let you know about a few things that we have going on. First of all, if you're a guest with us, thank you for choosing to worship with us today. Uh, we're honored that you're here. We would love to uh, get to know you. I would love to meet you. I'll be out in the, in the lobby afterwards. I'd love to greet you there. But also, if you are a guest or if you're someone that's relatively new or just someone who hasn't yet placed their membership here at East Point, want to let you know about an event that we have coming up next Sunday, that is called A Taste of East Point. This is after a second service, after this service, uh, out in the foyer, and we have an opportunity for you to come and to hear more about who we are, about what we believe in, about what direction we're headed. So we'd love to have you come and join us then. You can sign up online for this event, or you can just simply show up. But We'd, inv- we'd encourage you to sign up online uh, at our website under the events page. The Taste of East Point will be there. Also, I uh, want to let you know about a couple of events coming up. This Saturday, we have a family Christmas party. The family Christmas party will be here at the church from 4 to 6 p.m. this coming Saturday. We'd love for you guys, if you guys have kids, to come, bring your kids uh, to join us uh, in the celebration of Christmas uh, and to prepare our hearts uh, for the celebration of the Lord's birth. Uh, And finally, um, this next Sunday is a very special and holy day to us here at East Point. Uh, This is what we call Ugly Sweater Sunday. Now, if you do not have an ugly sweater, well, you may have, and you just don't know that it's ugly, uh, you, can, you can wear whatever you want, but you can wear ugly sweater, ugly t-shirt, you can wear ugly, ugly socks, you can wear an ugly hat, whatever it is that you got going on, you just bring it, and we'll have a good time and have some good laughs this coming Sunday, all right? So uh, that's all we have for you today. Would you please stand with me, and um, I will bless you as we get ready to leave. May the Lord bless you with the courage and with the faith and with the wisdom of David. And may that courage encourage others in your life who are in need of that love and that faith. And most of all this week, may you remember that our God is a God who slays giants. Amen. Go in peace.